You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. everyone and let's get fired up episode three of the fired up broncos podcast joining me this time right from the jump this week uh cameron parker at cameron parker po spelled uh the, the way you'd expect i think the, the, the most common way cameron parker and then the letters po on twitter works for predominantly orange uh, great Broncos coverage over there. Make sure you're following him. Um, and then also co-hosts with me and our good friend Maddie Bowles, the Mainly Broncos podcast. So make sure you're listening to that as well. Cam, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Um, you know, we're a, a step closer to Friday. Does this count as a crossover? <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's weird. It's like a crossover, but it's like a spin-off. You know, yeah. it's like... Um, what was the friend spin on Joey or whatever? It's like yeah. it's like Chandler's making an appearance on Joey. It's, okay, it's all right, I, I can do it. Or I, I don't know, something like that. Uh, but we got a good show for you guys. Not much news, but I guess the the news we do have is kind of still the ongoing lock Bridgewater quarterback competition. We'll touch on that, and then we'll have a little. Uh, uh, what's more likely game for you guys and then uh, answer some of your Twitter questions. Um, but first, let's start with that Drew Locke, uh, Teddy Bridgewater situation. Um, uh, primarily the interceptions. We've got a Twitter question about it. I'll address that here as well. Um, what do you think about training camp or mini camp, OTA, you know, interceptions in general? Um, do they matter a lot? Not at all. You know, somewhere in the middle, Where where is it on that? I mean, it would be a joke to say that it doesn't matter. I mean, like, right? I mean, like, at the end of the day, throwing interceptions or turning the ball over, if we're going to just talk about Drew Locke in general, um, that's his biggest bugaboo, right? I mean, so uh, it's obviously something that he needs to work on. So at any point in emphasis um, of him turning the ball over, it's a, it's a, it, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's a big deal, but it's a big deal in the sense that that's probably his biggest bugaboo. Like that's the biggest thing that he he needs to work on is not turning the ball over. So I mean, yes, in essence, it's a big deal. But in the grand scheme of things, when we talk about OTAs and mini camps and you know at some point here soon training camp, um, no, it's it, it it's not a it's not a big deal because you know too often there's times where it get the the, the turnovers or uh, something that quarterbacks throw, it's sort of scripted, right? I mean, it's to, to, to get yeah. the defense to, to make plays. So, I mean, we don't necessarily know the whole story because, granted, you, me, I mean, uh, uh, except for guys like Benjamin Albright and uh, a bunch of those people that are in the media that are there, you know, we're not there. So, granted, we don't necessarily know the layers behind it, whether or not it was an interception that was working, you know, toward the defensive favors and, and whatnot. But, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, though, I mean – Turning the ball over is never a good thing, um, but if if we're talking strictly right now, and you know it's something that I've always felt true, um, is I would much rather interceptions happen in practice than in games. And um, so if this is a problem that certainly persists in you know week three to week eighteen of the regular season, then we got a serious problem, right? <laughs> I mean. We got a serious problem. So I would much rather the turnovers, interceptions happen now than during the regular season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think it is good to do them now. And I also think it's not a, a one-all rule on um, you know, how much do training camp interceptions or OTA interceptions matter. Like, yes, of course, it always, you know, ideally you wouldn't be throwing an interception. No one's out there trying to throw interceptions um but you know if it's Aaron Rodgers doing it it's you know yeah. Patrick Mahomes doing it at this point it's like you're proven we're not going to care 
Drew Locke is a quarterback that has struggled up until this point, and a lot of that has been problems with turnovers. Um, so it, it, until he proves that turnovers won't be an issue for him, I think it's fair to be concerned about that. Um, but yeah, OTAs and these minicamp interceptions matter just about as uh, little as possible. And still, I mean, it's just it, but but to also lie to ourselves and say it doesn't like actually matter like at all. I mean, it's sort of lying to ourselves. I mean, because I mean, like, still to what you said. I mean, throwing interceptions is still a pretty big deal. So I mean, I mean, as for for a player's sake, I mean, I'll, I'll just say like Drew Locke's not gonna, you know, come to the media and say, man, I'm really happy that I threw the that interception today. You know, like he's not gonna yeah. go to the yeah. So I mean, like he he'll he'll his prerogative or really any player's prerogative is to get better every single day, right? I mean, that is his biggest prerogative is to get better every single day. So if he's throwing interceptions day in and day out, you know, as far as a player's mentality, that's that's never a good thing if you're talking player's mentality. You know, you want to get better every single day. So from our sake and from our vantage point, it's not necessarily a big deal. But from a player's perspective, I can, in essence, see how it could maybe even mess with your, your psyche, too. It, it really can. And I think that... That's definitely a factor in this. Um, uh, obviously, the mental struggles went on, but I don't know. Get, get it out of the system now. Like This is the time for uh, yeah. uh, uh, making those mistakes. Also, I don't know. It, yes, some people, you, you said earlier, like media, um, the media can be, that's there in person, can get some semblance of what happened on those interceptions, but like, I went last week to one of the practices, and honestly, like, it was the first day of uh, uh, the scrimmages when, you know, Locke had a couple interceptions, and there was the Simmons one that really started the debate. And it was just like, uh, I couldn't really tell you what happened on that play. Like, to me, it looked like Simmons was lurking underneath, and Locke missed an interception. But, like, film breakdowns can be subjective sometimes. You know, like, we criticize PFF guys for their grades because it's impossible for them to truly know what's happening on a play with game broadcast angles, all 22 broadcast angles, and they can replay it as many times as they want with slow motion. We get one terrible angle at live speed with no form of replay whatsoever. So even the media assuming, and like I agreed with the media's assumption that, I think that was kind of that it was a bad interception by Locke and Simmons was blurring there. Um, it's like, who knows? It's, it's so impossible. So mm-hmm. I think you're in lockstep. It's not totally meaningless, but it's kind of about as close to meaningless. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so here with Fired Up, uh, Cam, I'm trying to do like a, a fun little game or, or segment each week. And this week, it's a little something I'm calling this or that. All right? Okay. And, and so the basic premise here, I'm going to give you Two uh, predictions, I guess you could say statements, uh, for the the Broncos' upcoming 2021 season. Um, Three of them are kind of more player-centric. Three of them are more team-centric. And I want you to tell me um, what you think is more likely. Okay. All right. Number one, this or that, you think it's more likely that Noah Fant has an 1,000-yard receiving season, or, or sorry, 900-yard um, receiving season, or Jerry Judy has a 1,000-yard receiving season? Hmm. I'm giving Fant a bit of a discount because of the uh, position. You know, I will say it's very likely that Jerry Judy has 1,000 yards receiving than Noah Fant. Um, that's not, again, it's, I mean, it, you and I have talked about it too on, on mainly and stuff like that, but it's just, it's nothing to take away of what we've seen in Noah Fant during this off season. Cause I mean, it, he's, it's evident even in, <laughs> which is, which is hilarious. We talked about, you see things a little bit differently when you're there. Well, then you see, you see things from like all these videos and stuff like that. So even though you're there, you can still see the, the, the size difference of what Noah Fant 
um, is like this year, and he's massive. And so I would expect a huge growth year for him um, in 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 2021. So I would imagine growth of some kind. But I think it's very likely that Jerry Judy uh, bounces back. And in fact, um, if I may, um, I'll actually go a step further and say that if Jerry Judy gets over 1,000 yards, which I think is very likely over Noel Fant, he'll go to the Pro Bowl. I like I, I could see Judy here to Pro Bowl. I, I really could. He's got the talent to do it. Um, he loved hearing what Vic said about him today, uh, about how he, he, he's really changed his approach, and you're, you're seeing a much more mature player. Um, you know, some of the things uh, you heard around maybe some of his rookie year struggles for it was maybe a, a lack of maturity at points. Um, so seeing him so quickly uh, uh, recognize maybe the shortcomings in this game and work to correct him uh, has to get you excited, especially when the Broncos have such a good uh, wide receiver coach. Um, it just has to be uh, super, yeah. super, super exciting. Um, uh, personally, though, I actually have Noah Fan. Okay. Um, uh, uh, as the winner there. I think that, um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, I just think uh, Judy might succeed better with a quarterback like Bridgewater. Um, even if Locke makes a leap, um, I think the accuracy problems will exist to some extent. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think the bigger body targets like Patrick, like, uh, like Sutton, of course, are the types of guys that are going to, uh, uh, thrive in that setting. Um, so for me, I, and I also think Fant can, well, I think Judy will be at his best with Bridgewater, I guess, and I think Fant can be awesome with both. Like the stuff for in the training camp, he looks massive now. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to hit uh, today was Locke talking about all the offseason work he put in. It sounds like he worked um, more with Fant this offseason than anyone else, and they really talked each other like the lock saying you know i want you to do xyz on these routes you know work to improve these things that'll really help me and you know fant doing the uh, uh same to lock the other way like I, I like the ball here you know whatnot so i think that has to I, i'm really fired up on fan i think we saw it last year how awesome he could be he looks even better this year and i think the only thing that stopped him from going off last year was the injury um, but yeah. I think both both are fairly likely. Some of these are like both are kind of likely. Some of these are, are both kind of. Um, well, I I think the the most important point though um, is both Noah Fant and Jerry Judy are expected to have a pretty big year just simply having Cortland Sutton back. And the minute that you get Cortland Sutton back, um, just having him back in the presence of that lineup is going to create a lot of opportunities for guys like. Uh, Noel Fant or Jerry Judy, and you know again it's 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 one of those that say as uh um you know I would I would just say as, as far as you know the, the the Broncos and everything that that they've done and envision with this offense it's those pick your poison narrative right I mean you know pick your poison so I mean the minute that he steps on the field court and sudden it's going to be one of those ultimate pick your poisons with guys like Noel Fant and Jerry Judy so. I envision big years for both of them, but if the question, which was envisioned, you know, who will have the bigger year of a thousand yards, um, you know, I would probably say Jerry Judy. It makes sense to me. Again, I this is one where I, I don't think there's really a wrong answer. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 Number two. All right. This or that. Do you think it's more likely Pat Sertan is one of the top three starting linebackers, or not linebackers? He's so big, he might play linebacker. He could, in a pinch. Um, Do you think it's more likely that Pat Sertan is starting alongside Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller, or that Ronald Darby is starting alongside uh, uh, Bryce Callahan? Hmm. You know, uh, I've got to really think long and hard about this, because, you know, you and I have talked about this at length as well. Um, I, I feel like with everything that has been glowing and praise of everything that's going on in camp from players and, and talking about Pat Sertan, uh, the, the minute that he steps onto that football field and the fact that he's to, to what the players are saying, he's so smart and that he's able to soak up this, 
this playbook like a sponge and and be that type of player that at this particular point there there's really no surprises there, there there's been really no surprises with everything that we've seen with Pat Sertan with him being that type of player that's you know soaking up the the, the playbook I think that uh, what what is what's so fascinating is that it wouldn't shock me and so yes I I think that if if Pat Sertan sees the field rather early you know it, it, in essence to go a step further and I don't know if this is one of your other uh, this or that's Zach but um uh you know I I I think that to go a step further in essence it, it's a lot like Javante Williams I think that if Pastor Tan is on the field and he's in, and he's playing at a very high level, it's going to be impossible to get get him off the field. So whether it's with Javante Williams playing at such a high level or even Pastor Tan, it's going to be really impossible to get them off the field at that particular point. So um, so maybe to to say yes, I I think that there's a possibility and and with this and with the Broncos finally having training uh, sorry not training camp preseason games this year um it's not out of the realm of possibility that Pat Sertan steals a starting job like just before week 1 I, I'm glad you said that cuz that leads perfectly into me I think he's going to do it you hear what people are saying about him out there and and like we we're saying it's hard to know how serious these OTAs are but everyone there is blown away by Pat Sertan. The, the one day I was there, I was blown away by Pat Sertan. That guy, he's the real deal. People knew he was pro ready coming out. Um, and he's living up to that billion and he's a great athlete. Like he's ready to play. Um, at this point, and Darby's a good cornerback. He is, he's a good cornerback. Um, but Sertan went in the top 10. That means he's a great cornerback. You don't take good cornerbacks in the top 10. Um, or at least the Broncos believe he's one. And I, I agree. He looks the part. Um, everything we've seen out of him at Alabama and to this point at training camp leads you to believe he's going to be worthy of that top 10 pick. Um, the only reason I'm not starting him day one is if the out of shame because of the Ronald Darby contract. Like, oh, we've paid this guy so much money. He has to start for us. We can't be starting a rookie in front of him day one. I think the only reason would be purely optical. You know, outside of the the optics of it, there's no reason, um, in my opinion, to start Darby because Sertan looks so pro ready, and he is that dude. He's he's a great cornerback. Um, I wasn't expecting it um, before camp started because looking at even Jeff Akuda, who I thought was pro ready, who I thought was a much better cornerback prospect than Patrick, exactly. he was terrible as a rookie um so i that kind of scared me off of rookie cornerback production but Sertan has me second uh second guessing my doubts because he is a lot of that is you know everything you and i've talked about too the pedigree i mean you know i don't necessarily know what what akuda's pedigree was but i mean we're 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 talking about a player that you know his father was a multi-time pro bowler you know as you and I've also talked about too at times, I mean, there's the multiple different sounding boards for him. He's just really set up for immediate success. Really. I mean, when, when it really boils down to, he really is set up for immediate success. And the minute that you put him on the field, I mean, it's going to be impossible to get him off of there. And plus, I mean, we just talked about Jerry Judy um, in the last this or that, right? Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Judy and Patrick, Patrick Tan may end up going, up against each other quite often in camp. So I would imagine that Pat Sertan is also going to make Jerry Judy a much better wide receiver, um, you know, two down the line, um, as much as Jerry Judy is also going to make Pat Sertan um, a, a better corner down the line. And it's something that you honestly tweeted. I don't know if it was today or if you tweeted it yesterday, but it's like we're talking about maybe the best Alabama products that have ever come out of the program. Um you know, and so when when those types of players that are coming out, they they just ooze that type of confidence, and um, so and it's going to make them better football players. Yeah, Saban does a better job preparing his guys for the pro game than anyone, and that's why he gets the recruiting classes. Guys that want to succeed in the pros go there. Um, 
yeah, just uh, I'm glad you hit on the Alabama note because yeah, these guys are not just um, you know are they Alabama products and we know how good these Alabama products are. You don't even have to be a football fan to know how good these Alabama yeah. products are. Um, it's not like, it's, it's not like a good. it's not like there a Trent is, Richardson or something where he just comes in and he just falls flat on his face. <laughs> yeah, but these guys are especially good uh, prospects for Alabama guys. And uh, yeah. Um, next one up here. Uh, Broncos finished the season. Or uh, here, I'm, I'm trimming some of these because I want to get to our good Twitter questions. Um, Broncos end their losing streak against the Chiefs. Or they make it to the playoffs. You might think both happen, but which, or you might think neither happens. Hmm. But which do you think is more likely? They end their losing streak against the Chiefs, or they make the playoffs. So here's the thing: with that extra game that the Broncos are playing this year, they can still have that losing streak with the Kansas City Chiefs and still make the playoffs. So um, I will say it's far less, uh, or it's far likely. Um, that the Broncos will make the playoffs and that's that losing streak still be intact just because there's that extra game in there. Um, so I, I think that uh, for that sake, um, the the Broncos, uh, the losing streak will, will probably still be intact um, and that I think it's very likely that the Broncos will make the playoffs as far as this or that. I don't know whether they will or not, but as far as which one is more likely, I'd say that them making the playoffs is more likely than um, the, the the streak. Just and again, it, it it falls back to that extra game, and and not, maybe not necessarily the extra game, but that the Broncos do have a fairly easy schedule this year compared to many, many, many years prior. It's all going to start from the beginning, though. I mean, if they can get off to a hot start, who knows? This is such a young football team that. Um, who knows what it's going to do for confidence, right, Zach? I mean, who knows what it's going to do for confidence, especially when you start off with, you know, the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars as far as your first three games. If you can get off to a hot start, um, you know, teams have been known to steal games that they shouldn't, you know, win. And so, who knows? They might be three and zero and going into a, and and going into that Baltimore game that they're riding high, you know, and then they end up winning that game against Baltimore um, just on the, the heels of that defense. Uh, They've got the talent to give Baltimore a hard time too on the on the defensive end at least you know like the, Lamar Jackson's a nightmare for everyone but the Broncos have you know players that can maybe help them up great edge talent really good defensive line talent a great run stuffer in Mike Purcell excuse me and then you've got a a, a fast rugby line like that's a game I'm putting Baron Browning in for and going mm-hmm. spy Lamar Jackson wherever Lamar Jackson goes you go like that's a tough assignment for a rookie in week four and i wouldn't expect him to do an a plus job at it because it's lamar jackson the youngest right. mvp in nfl history but he's got the athletic profile to at least his problem is reading things so just go i don't care if lamar jackson hands the ball go to lamar right and just like don't read a damn thing wherever lamar is that's that's where you're right. going right um uh but yeah, to your point, and also that early start, I keep getting ahead of myself, that early start will be so important um, because they've gotten off to such a terrible start the last two seasons. Um, you know, finally playing from ahead rather than having to dig yourself out of a, a hole, I think will be a difference maker. Um, next one here, or sorry, I didn't get my answer. I think, sorry, everyone, I'm traveling. I'm, I'm a little all over the place this week. Uh for me, I think it's the playoffs as well, because I can see a world where the Broncos make the playoffs and don't beat the Chiefs, unfortunately. If they beat the Chiefs, they're a good in one of those two games. If they can steal one, barring like Patrick Mahomes being injured, but who knows that didn't help, who knows that didn't help them last time. Uh, if they're good enough to steal a game against the Chiefs, they should definitely uh, be a playoff team and you know, even if Locke doesn't make the jump, I think you can create a run-heavy attack with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and Teddy Bridgewater can do just enough surrounded by these awesome uh, pass catchers that, that you can win games 24-21 consistently and, and, I and mean, make the playoffs. The, what was it last year? The Broncos were really close, fighting with the Chiefs. Um, they actually had the lead in halftime when they played the Chiefs last year when when in Arrowhead. So, I mean... I think the Broncos, the Broncos have shown 
the propensity to be playing the Chiefs rather tough, at least. And and we've we've seen this the last few seasons, I should say, with this, especially under Vic Fangio, to where the the team has started to really turn the corner of playing really really competitive football with the Kansas City Chiefs, and so I think that. I don't know if it's going to be this year. Like like I said, I don't know if it's going to be the, be this year, but I would just say it's really it's getting really really close to where the Broncos will steal a game with Kansas City at some point. It, it it seems that way, you know, they're kind of declining. Broncos are on the rise. You think eventually uh, those two trajectories will uh, cross. Um but who knows, it's Patrick Mahomes, man. Uh okay, last one, only Drew Locke one. Uh this or that. Drew Locke plays like the second best quarterback in the division. I'm not going to predict who first could be. Could be Mahomes. Probably will be Mahomes. Maybe it's Herbert. Pick your player. Maybe you think it's Carr. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you think. But Drew Locke plays like the second best quarterback in the division in 2021. Or the Broncos make it to the divisional round. What's more wow. like? Uh, they'll make it to the divisional round. I mean. Whoa. I mean, because I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we're we're it's still. I mean, both are still a pretty tall order, right? I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, this so, is a tough. So These I are mean, both more longer, more long shots. So, um, but I I will say that, uh, um, because the thing is, is you know we we've seen so often that quarterbacks don't necessarily have to be a a focal point, if you will, in a postseason. You have to have a really steady running game. And at that particular point with the Broncos and that type of offense that we believe that they're going to end up type, uh, you know, running the football, and especially everything that we we saw near, near the end of last season to where they really started to find their identity, if they really find that for a full season and they're hitting on all cylinders running the football, I would not be surprised in the least if they went to the divisional playoff, and it would not necessarily be because, you know, Locke would, uh, you know, Locke balled out of his mind and um, was Colin Cowherd's 2020, you know, dark horse MVP candidate. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, no, I'm not saying that at all. But I, I'm just saying, like, if they really found their step and they really found their offensive rhythm and their offensive playbook, if you will, um, to use that term. Um, identity. Um, I you know it would not shock me because a good, uh, a good friend of a quarterback is a really good running ba- running game, and that is something that Drew will need. And and if he can feed off of that, who knows? It might actually make him a better quarterback because we all saw what he can do under play action. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, well, or I guess not hundred percent, but I do agree. This one's tough for me because I think both are sneakily more likely than people think on face value. Like at first Drew Locke playing like the second best quarterback feels like a, a real long shot. And the Broncos making it to the divisional round feels like a real long shot. But I think uh, ultimately I agree with you. I think the Broncos can be the Titans are a team I keep thinking of in regards to the Broncos. I think that's kind of what they want to be. Um, you know, it's, Javante Williams probably isn't Devon, uh, Derek Henry rather. But he could be Nick Chubb. And so if you have Nick, like kind of this Nick Chubb, Melvin Gordon uh, hybrid running game, um, and then you have. uh, It can be deadly. Yeah, and that's a lofty praise for Javante Williams, of course. But Brian Stark, who's higher up in that Broncos uh, scouting department, interviewed for the GM job, director of college scouting, compared him to uh, uh, Nick Chubb and Zeke Elliott. So if Brian Stark's right on what Javante Williams could be, both Nick Chubb and Elliott had huge rookie impacts. Um, that backfield can really lead the way for the offense. Um, and then you can just ask Locke to be a game manager, find the open, awesome, dominant skill position player off of play action. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's what they want to be, except with a much better defense. Um, you know, of course, the Titans also have the defensive-minded head coach with Mike Vrabel. Broncos have a big Fangio. Um, so I think that's the goal, but we'll see if it uh, comes to fruition. Um, as for the quarterback thing, I think it's sneaky possible. Derek Carr is prone for regression. His 
uh, season last year was kind of an outlier. And their receiving core, like Nelson Aguilar was his favorite target outside of Darren Waller, of course. Um, and they lost him. Uh, they brought John Brown in. Henry Ruggs was a disappointment. Um, you know, and they just don't have much outside of that. The offensive line is taking a huge step back. And as the offensive line play got worse down the stretch of the season, Derek Carr's yeah. play seriously regressed as well. And you got the Justin Herbert entering year two. Yeah, and then you got Justin Herbert mm-hmm. entering year two. Yeah, so you have no idea whether he's going to hit a sophomore slump. Yeah, I, and I think he's likely to because he's in a much different. Um, and Lord knows I'm not the biggest lock supporter, but it's more an argument for I think Carr and Herbert are both fairly prone for regression, and being the second best quarterback might not be as high of a bar as we think. And if yeah. Lock does hit and does get likely. into the leap, yeah. he he could be there. So uh, it's it's sneakily I think a little more likely than people think. Um, yeah. Herbert now in a new offense, the Joe Lombardi offense. Last time Lombardi was an offensive coordinator, it was ugly um not a pretty offense it was painful to watch um and yeah herbert's awesome but he also performed well like his dominance is is correlated to his um uh incredible play in areas that we often see a lot of high variance which was under pressure play and deep passing which we often see uh, guys be great in one year and then not so great the next uh, a good comparison for that would be Carson Wentz in 2017 dominated on third down. His first and second down numbers were kind of so-so, but at an unreal third down conversion rate and his play on third down was also incredible. Well, play on third down is a high variance stat. And once he regressed, we saw what happened with Carson Wentz and injuries around him certainly uh, helped that go down the tubes. But I would Ultimately, I do think Justin Herbert has the stuff and unfortunately is a good quarterback for a long time. But I wouldn't be stunned if uh, we see a a little Carson Wentzian uh, regression. Um, Ultimately, though, I'm with you. I'm I'm picking Broncos uh, to make it to the divisional round. Um, Let's move on to some uh, Twitter Twitter questions. Goodness, I'm so tongue-tied today. Twitter questions. (laughs) Open it up with a three. I'll give her some love. First time caller, long time. Siren, sorry if you can hear that, everyone. First time caller, long time hater. What position outside quarterback has the most competition right now, and who is going to shock the fan base as the standout before season begins? All right. So who is? Uh, so what was the question from Bree? Was the who's going to of quarterback? What position do you think has the most competition right now? I think that's the first question. And then second question, who do you think is going to shock the fan base um, when the season starts as a standout? I I think the one positional group um, that I think um, has the chance to shock people, I think would be the linebacker position. Because I like we, it. Um, because we, we, we say so often, right? Um, we, we've talked about this on mainly, um, that it's Baron Browning's like that athletic freak that if, if it, if it finally gets to him and he starts reading the field and that he starts, you know, doing these things, um, you know, that, that we start seeing and, you know, him mentioning, you know, that he's really comfortable playing that inside linebacker role, that kind of thing. Um, if, if that happens and he plays out of his mind, then sort of like Patrick Sertan, it's going to be really impossible to get him off the field. Um, you know, it, so I, I could see that um, to where that'll be the one um, that, that really just surprises everybody. And then um, what position outside of quarterback um, has the most uh, um, competition? competition. Um, I will actually take um, an interesting turn here and actually say, the center position. I like it. I think you're, you're uh, not wrong. Um, I, I think that the center position um, is one, and which is so funny because, you know, who knows? It might actually be attached to the quarterback position in some regard. I don't necessarily know. Um, but, you know, um, we talked about this. Actually, funny enough, we, we did talk about this um, on the Mainly Broncos podcast as far as the center position. Um, it... Uh, It'll probably, and I think you mentioned this, Zach, it'll probably start out with Lloyd Cush and Barry as center. Um, probably keep that chemistry still, you know, and, and stuff with, with Drew starting week one. That's about everything that we're envisioning um, is that Drew will start week one. 
Um, but I mean, who knows? I mean, thing, things have just been um, really not far-fetched to think that they, the offensive line is going to get shuffled around. We saw that in the Carolina Panthers game, and they balled out of their minds in the Carolina Panthers game. You know, when you know Gare Bowles was out, um, I think they put Natay Muti in. Um, Calvin Anderson got got the nice. start as well. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility for even during the regular season that there's going to be offensive line uh, shuffles. So, um, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. You know who the most underrated person in every NFL organization is, Cam? Offensive line coach. I mean, Mike Munchak has been so valuable to the Broncos. I think, like, Garrett Bowles did that leap and, and deserves so much credit for making that leap. I'm not trying to take away credit from Garrett Bowles. He had to do it and, and put in all the work and, you know, make the leap himself. I'm not trying to take that away from him at all. But that him making that leap is so much less likely. So, so, so much less likely. Munchak's not Mike there. Munchak isn't in the building. Yeah. Like, And then the reason Calvin Anderson and Atani Moody are ready to come in and go and play at such a uh, acceptable level, you know? Like, normally if you have, uh, I believe they were both on the same side. I, I'm trying to remember who Moody was filling in for. I know uh, Anderson. Glasgow, I think. Was it Glasgow? Glasgow. Yeah, so then maybe they would have been on offensive sides. But still, either way, normally you go down and tackle in a guard. You're probably your most reliable guard and your best tackle for a game. You're going to be in trouble. And it was maybe their best offensive game of the year. Like, that's uh, – Lunchak deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, as for me, uh, I'm going to go with a, a player I think is going to surprise people. And it's not a surprising name, but I think he's going to surprise people nonetheless. Javante Williams. I've been counting the Javante Williams table for a while. I think he is going to um, – being a good running back wouldn't surprise people. I think he's going to be a legitimate star running back. I mean, top, top five seems lofty, but when you think about the top five guys in the league, I, I don't know. Zeke Elliott's not the same guy he used to be. A lot of guys have come back to the pack. I think he can be a true bell cow back. And maybe he doesn't get the carries because Melvin Gordon's there. But I think he can be Nick Chubb level, Zeke Elliott level. Like, this guy is the truth. Um, and I think he's going to shock people with just how good he is. Um, position group with the most competition outside quarterback, I think there's a, a big three. Center, which you said. Um, linebacker, I, I think, is a big one. And then, uh, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't even, I have four, I guess. Linebacker cornerback and a running back are the big four outside of uh, uh, the quarterback position um, running back. I touched on, you touched on center. Um, we already hit on the cornerback one Darby surf both battling out. Both are more than qualified of being starting guys. Um, and then linebacker, you know, you, the Broncos would like to upgrade on Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. They don't want to make their defense worse. So if Josie Jewell is the best guy, they'll start in week one. But they are, I guarantee, they're hoping Sternat or Browning gives them a, a reason to move on from Josie Drew or Alexander yeah. Johnson because yeah. it's the one position on this defense that doesn't look like a superstar squad. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and you mentioned about Javante Williams. One of the, or sorry, two of the things that is going for him, one is one that, that we've talked about at length um, you know, on our podcast, um, and, and that is, he doesn't have a lot of tread in his tires. One of the things that is going, um, you know, one of the things that is going for him, unlike um, his counterpart that's on the roster bubble, Royce Freeman or Monte Ball that was drafted, you know, previously, there was a lot of tread on the tires, you know, with, with both of them. And they came into the league as really good college football running backs, productive college football running backs. And they came into the NFL and just never panned out. Granted, to stump Royce Freeman for a little bit, he did have one of the most impressive runs that I'd seen against the Kansas City Chiefs um, on that uh, on that Monday Night Football game. That I'm still to this day trying to figure out how he made that into the end zone. So I, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, but um, and, and you know, and then the second point um, is one that I don't think a lot of people is talking about, and that is the running back success out of Mac Brown's system. Um, you know, even dating back to Texas. And, you know, that being one, you have the other running back that is already coming out of North Carolina, the one that went to the New York Jets, 
uh, and Michael Carter. Um, and then you have, even going to Texas, then you have the Jamal Charles, the Cedric Benson, yeah. the, the Ricky Williams. Um, Mac Brown has pr- been able to produce really productive and NFL stars, if you will, um, running backs at that position. Absolutely. And then the thing is, normally he runs them into the ground. Like you said, this time they got Javon Dewan with a lot of tread on the tires. So best of both worlds there. Um, question number two for you, Cam. Uh, this one from uh, Cal at Uppercut. Uh, we got you guys getting back-to-back questions and back-to-back shows asking good ones out there. Um, uh, this one's tough because, I, I, like you said, we're not at practices, so we can't really determine it. But I think the second half of this one's a really good question. Um, what does the offense look like it's favoring, the more pass-happy stuff from the first part of the 2020 or the Gordon Bell Cow heavy end stretch? And what ought this offense be oriented around, given the personnel? So focus on that second part. What should this offense uh, be oriented around, given the personnel? Should they be more uh, uh, pass-happy aired out? Gordon Belkow, what is your vision for how this offense should look? Let's start, for, let's start first by the second and, you know, the, the second and ten runs. Let's just start first with there. The, the second and long runs, you know, the, 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 the very obvious, you know, frustrations of the second and long, you know, runs that Shermer likes to do. Let's start first with there. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, we saw near the half, we, we talked about it um, as far as the this or that, right? I mean, of them making the divisional round. They have to make the playoffs by finding their identity, and we all know and we all saw it near the end of last season what that identity was. And it falls even to their quarterback, and it even falls to the running game. They absolutely have to be successful off of play action, and they absolutely have to be successful running the football. So the, the my one worry is the first part, um, is... Um, I, I mean, if it's successful and, you know, and it wins them football games, then yes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, if really, if it ain't broke, don't fix what, what, what's, what's really working. Um, but if, if it ends up truly that, uh, they end up becoming this pass happy team, then I don't know. You're going to, you're going to see a lot of more turnover prone plays, um, you know, from, from Drew and you can still run a play action type offense with, with Drew a run heavy offense and still have him on the run, you know, in the open and still have him be, you know, free flowing, if you will, and off script, you know, off play action. So, I mean, you can still do that. Um, and obviously that can still happen with him, you know, being a pass happy offense, but I don't know. I, I would much rather them focus on not letting Drew be the guy than, um, and just focus on, you know, running the football. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, they should be run oriented. It, it's not the best strategy in the NFL, but they've got the defense to back it up. Um, and I think, again, I, I said earlier, have Locke play like Ryan Tannehill. High, high, high play action rate. Broncos should be top five in the league next year in play action. Uh, play action percentage, I'll say, because I don't think they'll throw the ball a ton, but like rate of play action on pass attempts, they should be top five in the league. I'd argue they should be number one in the league because they should be a running-oriented team with uh, uh, two talented running backs that can be factors in the passing game. Heck, even Mike Boone can be an asset in the passing game. So you can rotate him, keep him fresh, keep running that play action. And then Ryan Tannehill, even to this day, like he's well-experienced in his NFL career, not the best uh, uh, reader of the football field. Um, you know, guys who uh, know the quarterback position a lot better than me, Nate, like Nate Tice of the uh, Athletic, did a great um, breakdown looking at him and how he's still making very, very, very simplistic reads and um, not often looking uh, uh, like progressing through his reads, oftentimes just looking at one man. The reason that works is because uh, you have to respect that Titans running attack so much, which makes the play action so effective, which allows these awesome skill position players, A.J. Brown, uh, uh, and then oh, these guys left this year, but Johnny Smith, Corey Davis, you know, now Julio Jones is in the mix. Um, to get open on one-on-ones, easy read for Tannehill. Tannehill can get the ball there. Um, now Locke has a very different skill set from Tannehill, uh, but I think 
the dream is something like that. Maybe you've got more downfield shots and it's a little more aggressive, but I really think my hope as a Broncos yeah. fan is that that often, I mean, I guess my hope is it looks like the fucking Chiefs off. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't mean to swear with you again, but uh, it looks like the Chiefs offense uh, uh, this year. But, um, uh, you know, I think a realistic goal would be looking like the Titans offense. And that's still pretty lofty. They were an yeah. awesome, awesome attack last year. Um, final question, Cam, and then we'll get out of here. I know we're running long. Uh, give me a, a Richie Rich, a, a, a clever name. I'm trying to uh, get out of pronounce this. Um, at Richie Rich, a. Uh, he asked for three surprise cuts. I feel like that might be tough to come up with on the spot. So just give me uh, one surprise cut. I'll give one, and then we'll get out of here. Oh, man. One surprise cut. I'll tell you, I've actually been going – and and tossing between both of these, um, to be honest, and it's one um, for for either of them that it would not shock me. So um, I'll actually, you know what? Because these did say three, um, I'll actually say two because of the ones that I've just been thinking yeah, of. Both. Yeah, both. Yeah. Um, so I will say uh, Melvin Gordon um, as a surprise cut, and then I will also say Deontay Spencer. I will say Deontay Spencer. Um, Ooh, yeah, um, I like it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that for Deontay, um, it, it's really just going to end up where is KJ in all this? Because KJ, he's just like this, the, that type of player that can really take the whole entire unit to a whole other level just by his presence on special teams because he's quick, he's fast. He's actually got very underrated strength to him as a as a as a player and as a receiver and even as a special teamer. So the minute that he's on special teams and he's being able to contribute um in, in that type of fashion, um, you know, it would not surprise me if the Broncos start focusing more on him, um, along with um, you know, still some of those offensive sets like the end the end of rounds or fly sweeps or whatever, you know, with KJ. Um and, and also, they might actually do something that some teams do, and that is have a kickoff returner and have a punt returner. Like, they they, they, they could do both to where Deontay Spencer isn't on the roster bubble, and they do a, you know, KG is a kickoff returner, and Deontay's a punt returner. I mean, you just never know. Um, but um, so I would just say the two surprise cuts for me are Melvin Gordon and, uh, and, and Deontay. And, 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 you know, as we alluded to with Javante, too, is just – that's the whole reason with Melvin Gordon is that the, you know, that they would not shock me in the least with, with Javante and with he, how he is as a runner and way he just runs with bad intentions and truly as a, as the former linebacker that he is. Um, and the way that he can break tackles, he broke more tackles than Najee Harris last year in college football, which is saying something. He's and that dude. Like Less he is that too. He is that dude. And, um, he uh, he scored a touchdown against Duke, where I believe four or five uh, players were all around him, and they were all around him by at like the 10 or 15 yard line, and he scored on the play. It was just him, and four or five different Duke defenders, and he scored on the play. Like it was just a real surreal, uh, true depiction of Javante as a player. And so if we can get that type of production, along with the pass protection, which is getting raved about by the coaching staff, and also him as a receiving back. Um, it's going to be impossible. And you already got guys like they're the head coach, Vic Fangio stumping the fact that, you know, there's a possibility that he could be a every down back in the NFL. That's pretty hot, lofty praise already, uh, you know, um, coming down uh, from Melvin Gordon and, you know, sorry to kind of go a little okay. bit long. Um, but I mean, you know, one, 1.2 is just, and, you know, again, I, I don't want to fault, you know, chemistry you know players on chemistry of working out off to the side but Javante's been with this team basically since day one and Gordon's doing has been working out doing his own thing so he's already so Javante's already been getting the team chemistry he's already been with the team he's getting handoffs from Drew he's getting handoffs from Teddy like he he's he's already getting that type of chemistry down so the minute that you get that chemistry down it's almost impossible to break that so it would not surprise me if Melvin Gordon was a surprise cut yeah, yeah, definitely Melvin Gore. I mean, you stole, you stole mine. Melvin Gore is going to be mine, absolutely. I think he's a really good surprise cut just because Broncos can save uh, over $3 million by moving on from him. Uh, you know, 
George Payton has no ties to Melvin Gordon. John Elway's one the ties to him. Uh, and Freud's Freeman's a good bit cheaper. Mike Boone's a good bit cheaper. Maybe they uh, opt to have that be their three running back rotation instead. Um, Spencer as well makes sense. Not only could Hamler steal that job, but even a, a guy in the quarterback room like Gary Vincent could steal that job. Um, you know, Ronald Darby, maybe. Maybe even Pat Sertan, because you're so deep at cornerback, you're, you're not injury concerned. Um, and then you're not having a roster spot for a guy that's just solely a, a returner. Um, so yeah, love both those picks. Uh, my two sleepers, it's kind of a two-and-one. Um, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. Bronco can save uh, over $2 million by uh, cutting Jewel. They could save like 3.4 by moving on from uh, Alexander Johnson. Um, I think those guys are likely the week one starters at a linebacker. Um, but I would have said the same thing about Brandon Marshall and Alexander Johnson last year in the Broncos win. Hey, Brandon Marshall's a progress stopper. We can save $4 million by moving from him. Let's cut him. I wouldn't be stunned if they go, hey, Josie Jewel's a progress stopper. We can save, uh, you know, $2.2 million, whatever it is, dollars by moving on from him. We really like Baron Browning and Justin Sternad. Uh, we think Josh Watson can be that fourth linebacker or, you know, whoever else. Nita, maybe. Um, let's ride. Uh, so, th- so those are my two uh, surprise cuts. Well, yeah. you know, and I, I was going to say, to, to your point, um, who knows? You know, the Shaquem, uh, Shaquem Griffin uh, tryout that happened. Good point. Um, um, you know, him being there, I, I think people are forgetting and sleeping, um, you know, with how athletic he is. Uh, I think people are really sleeping, in essence, sort of how athletic he is. I know that um, he has a terrific story and, you know, he plays football, um, you know, at a really high level with one hand. But I think people are forgetting how athletic he is. I mean, he's... You know, he's listed at 220 pounds that he very well might be that type of tweener um, that he might be true competition for Justin Sternad. Like he may be that type of competition for him. So um, uh, if he comes in and he balls and I mean, he's been trying out, but if he balls out um, these few days, I would not be surprised if the Broncos assigned him. And he's he's rather young, right? I mean, he, he's been in the league for a few years and. Like he's still he's still pretty young, right? Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't. Sh- so uh, honestly, and this is sort of a hot take in the sense of a contract, but I would not be I would not be disappointed um, if the Broncos sign him to a two year deal. I would not be surprised. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be uh, too sad either. Right. Um, my guess my, my my guess is he'll be more of an impact than Mar uh, than. Uh, was a Mark Barron. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, we can probably save the, you know, assure that one. Yeah. It'd be hard to be less of an impact than Mark Barron. <laughs> less of a negative impact. Maybe, I guess, yeah. uh, but Cam, thank you so much for joining me. Man. Uh, uh, we still have a ton of Twitter questions. We weren't even able to get to because we're running along here. Um, but we're going to answer whatever we have left over on mainly Broncos. Got a, uh, some interesting uh, quarterback topics as well to get into in there. So make sure you're following that uh, later on this week when we covered uh, going in early to next week. But once again, thank you, Cam, for joining me. You are uh, the man, and uh, happy to get you on again soon. Hey, thank you so much, Bill Nye, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, piggyback off of some of these topics when we do uh, our mainly Broncos episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, find him on Twitter at Cameron Parker PO, uh, and then also find his writing over at Predominantly Large Break Broncos coverage from all that. And until next time, guys, stay fired up.